nothing in common. Nothing to say, nothing to comment. I can't stay comfortable to comment. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? What's up? We back for another episode of the Dots Up podcast. I believe this is episode 64, if I'm correct. We renumbered, we re-renumbered our episodes so we can include our back catalog just to make sure we get give ourselves credit for all the work that we've done, even though we switched over names. It's still the same dude. So that's why we did that. But anyways, yo, what's cracking, y'all? Uh, what's up? Let me check in with y'all. Who am I gonna go to first? What's up, Mook? How you doing, Mook? Good in yourself. Everything's was that copacetic? <laughs> oh man, using the academic words. Yeah, I'm doing fine, man. Thank you for asking, man. Uh, Speaking of scams, <laughs> just adjusting to grad school and work life. That's that's what I'm on. Uh, but that's it, Mook. That's it. Just that's good. what I was gonna say. How you doing, bro? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, I'm saying I'm I'm doing good. I'm chilling, you know. How's, how's the baby? Baby's good. She's watching her baby well, shark. She... Um, I'm <laughs> sick of the show. For the listeners, I'm sick of the show Baby Shark. Uh, if there was a way a for me to get rid of, if there's a way to get rid of Baby Shark, the word Baby Shark, the every product they've ever invented, I would do it in a heartbeat because I'm sick of listening to that fucking song. <laughs> what about uh, Coco Melon? She on that one? No, oh, no, no. Miss Rachel. But thank God she doesn't want. Oh yeah, Miss Rachel too. Yeah, but it's she's like a cult leader for sure. The, the, she the, yeah, creeps me out. Yeah, she does. absolutely. The way she talks and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's got culty vibes. Like it's yeah. Kai's drinking like the, the like... Kool Aid and stuff. Yeah, exactly. They're locked <laughs> like, in bro. too. They don't move. <laughs> they don't move. <laughs> He's like hypnotism. Hmm. That's a scam too. We can get into that. Uh, <laughs> all right, T. What's good with you, T? Got my, my first experience of a perpetually sick baby. Um, she's a little stressful, a little stressful. I know she's good, you know, we got the, the modern technology, temperature, taking a temperature and shit, but like, I just, it sucks seeing her so uncomfortable. She don't know how to call for it, so she should be like, and I'm like, yo, chill, <laughs> like, your food's gonna come up. <laughs> but um, other than that, man, just, just trying to find the last few chances to go fishing. Mm. It's hard out here, man. Yeah, it feels like the more we've gone on, you know, climate change, global warming, and whatnot, it seems like we're only having two seasons now. Yeah, like, like summer. Is, I want to ask you a question about. Like yeah, I want to ask you a question fall. about your fish. Do you do you eat uh, eat the fish you catch? Um, most time now. Okay. Um, I I I like I'll do like saltwater fish. That's a little more more safe. But um, I usually don't fish in bodies of water big enough or catch enough. To, to like make it worth even keeping like if I only catch like two or three like I'm not gonna do all that work to like clean them and stuff and like only have a little bit of food I was, I was just curious you mm-hmm. ever had a struggle with one with a motherfucker almost like tilt your kayak or some shit man I wish <laughs> I wish that would, that would be fun as, yeah that shit would be fun nah never that biggest one I only caught was like I think like three pounds and some change mm. Trying to get the elusive four pounder. They don't yeah, get as big up up north. I don't know how people be fishing on the open sea and just like catching oh. them big ass tunas. Shit's crazy. That shit's it's too it's too much like physical work. Like I'm not really into that. Yeah. Like I'm trying to relax and be high or like drink some beers <laughs> out there or something. I can't be like sweating. Yeah. <laughs> and and if that shit snaps your line, isn't that expensive or? Nah. Know. No. Okay. No. Word. Don't the like the bigger fish like that? Don't they have like the mm. the stands and stuff like that? So it's not as much of you trying to hold it yourself. It's like yeah, but I see ni- some niggas do it off kayaks, so it's crazy. Yeah, oh, so I've seen niggas catch like <laughs> two hundred pound fish. Not seen them, what? but like you know, seen videos two hundred pound fish on a kayak. Niggas go for a ride. <laughs> Yo, have you y'all gotta... seen have have y'all seen the um eight hundred oh, pound caught gator? Them. The 800 pound gator that got caught or shot and killed in uh I want to say Louisiana. Probably. No, I ain't oh, see it. That's a lot. That's a lot of gator. Yeah. yeah. And then some dudes from Florida came back and said we Sausage caught a nine, 930 pound one. 
Yeah, right. I don't trust anything coming out of Florida. That's bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> Florida got some stuff in them. Yeah, they do. They got some stuff. Everglades, over there. bro. They got that's the best way to get. Florida. That's the best. Yeah, that's the best way to get rid of people too. So. <laughs> Yeah, them Haitians right in the swamp. <laughs> yeah, drop them off in the swamp. You good? Oh man, yo, I can't imagine, yo. Those those are dinosaurs living out there, bro. Hell yeah. Yeah. And people people are, you know, there's the online thing about saying like, oh, you like messed up the ecosystem. You killed the old animal Fuck that, that wasn't bothering nobody. And I'm like, if I'm coming across an 800 pound alligator, it's me or them. Like, yo, listen, I don't, they I don't got... care. Alligators, they got freaking snakes, those bone constrictors, or whatever the hell the chips are called. Boa constrictor. Same thing. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Same <laughs> thing. Rashad was thinking about someone from Wheelock, that bone constrictor. But, uh... <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh man. Oh, man. Uh, I ain't messing with no snakes either. Um, snakes, yeah. alligators, no thank you. <laughs> my bad for that deviation though. But what's up with you, Reem? I'm good, man. I'm good. Traveling, seeing some family. We uh were in Wallingford yesterday, seeing some uh some friends and their kids. So doing the the Connecticut trip this weekend and seeing uh Marissa's parents. Um, but yeah, man, doing good, living life, staying busy with work. Um, need this football season to be a little better, but my Giants are there. We're gonna see what happens. So I'm good, man. I'm good. I can't complain. Word, man. Y'all seen that that uh picture of uh Daniel Jones looking scared looking at Joey Bosa and the boys? <laughs> that nigga was shaking racking his, his brain. That's a scary man. That's a scary man. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine if it was like hey, hey, could you imagine the look on Nick Bosa's face if it was like a Lamar Jackson or somebody like that back there? That he could get a cycle. <laughs> I've been waiting for this boy. <laughs> Oh man, what's good with you, Shiz? Good, bro. Um, played some basketball yesterday, in the educator <laughs> league. Yeah, caught a twenty piece, but Ooh. you know, yeah, we're not used to losing. Yeah, we're yeah. It was it was pretty bad. We played against Annabelle's team, so you know she's talking big shit yeah. right now. So You're living with the ops, yeah. So, but I mean, felt good to run up and down yesterday. So yeah, get some cardio. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> felt good trying to trying to That's see the good it. and the loss. <laughs> uh we played against that um TikTok YouTube dude who always goes the excuse me, like that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, Mark? Mac? Mac, 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 yeah. Mac, Mac, he's from Boston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's from Brockton. Yeah, played against him. And you I'm know? not gonna lie. I can't like I saw him. I was like, "Oh, this dude, this dude's like, this dude looks regular. Like maybe, maybe it ain't. Not, I'm not gonna lie. As soon as the tip came, he came down the court and hit up. Excuse me, bro. Our teammate was on the ground. I bro, thought someone shot. Him. I thought someone yeah, sniped. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> Drops so bad. <laughs> Expeditiously. Yeah, it was so bad was that, bad that bad. everybody didn't even say nothing. Like everybody was like, "Whoa, is he all right?" It's just like it's on the tape now. You want a highlight reel? Yeah, he has yeah. he has the he has a person there recording and he's mic'd up. So I was like, damn, immediately. Yeah. Oh, he was recording? Yeah. Oh wow. He made it should be on somebody his... in the content. It should be on Instagram at some point later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might see it. You might see us on IG or TikTok or YouTube at some point. Just looking but like this. I wasn't guarding him, so it won't be a clip of me. So that's all I care about. Which is which is crazy though, because we were winning <laughs> yeah we had him in the first we half had him in the first video and then if we're, if we're being fair you know somebody had daddy duty so it kind of fucked up our rhythm in the second oh yeah half. bro we got played babysitters definitely <laughs> sold us yesterday we couldn't get anybody to watch kai so annabelle strategically planned where when she wanted to go in the game so anytime i came out of the game I had to like sit with Kai and stuff. And I mean, <laughs> granted, granted, honestly, we had we had a really good run. Like, I don't think we're bad, but I don't think they should have blown us out by 20. Mm-mm. They did hit everything. <laughs> and, in the second. And, and, they did hit everything in the second half. And, they were but hitting to be, big shot threes. 
So so started the start of the second half, they went up like when the first like three minutes of the second half, they probably went up like 18 on us. Like it was bad. And I'm like, damn. No, the 18 didn't happen to like six minutes ago. Yeah. It was we were up two, and then by the then time Rashawn like came in, I think yeah. by the time Rashawn got in, it was probably about eight ten at that point. Mm-hmm. And then I was completely gassed. I was like, yo, I need this up. And then that's when it got to like 16. And then when I came back in, that's when they got up to 20. Like it was, it was, we just couldn't hit shots the second half and they were hitting everything. It was one of those kind of yo, games. So, so Mook took himself out and I'm looking like, yo, come back in the game. Like me, you and Darius, we can hold this shit down. <laughs> so D we, volunteers himself. Like, well, I mean, I can go out of the game. But, no one else you know, on the team was trying no to go out. So but we were trying to be like, we were trying we to be nice. <laughs> So Mook's not yeah. getting hit to like what I'm trying to say, like, yo, we need yeah, you right but now. I'm, and then I'm he's also looking like... at me, he's like, bro, who do you want me to pick? So I'm like, dog, don't <laughs> don't do me like that. Just come in for somebody. But yeah, man. Yeah, if we yeah. had our intramural team, if we had our yeah. BSSC team, we would have won. I'm yeah. I'm yeah. sure of it. Like we just needed y'all, man. Yeah, y'all didn't show up. <laughs> Dude lost like, all I his think... confidence after he got dropped. He just started letting dude take threes with no no dude. hand up. Like he was playing yeah. on the free throw line while this dude was shooting threes. Yeah, like... He definitely set the tone the first place. <laughs> and that's crazy. I have a whole different mindset. If somebody crosses me, like now it's personal. No, nah, like, he didn't want to get caught. He second. didn't want to get caught again. Wait, weren't we up like 10 nothing to start the game too? Rashawn went on a streak. He had like 10 points in a row, I swear. And then Mook hit a three. And I was yeah, like, oh, we're cooking right now. I swear we were like 10 nothing. Yeah. And then like this, the, those two dudes came in for them, like the big dude and the Bro, guard. Yeah, that, that guy came in too. That dude. Yeah, I saw them come in hey, too. I was hey, like, D, have fun because next week Fuck. the dude that we play is better than that big dude. Not the number 15 dude on the other team. Yeah, right? that's who we play. Yeah, that's oh who we play, bro. God. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, though. Yeah, to you be better fair, foul though, out, nigga. <laughs> To be fair, O should be there next week too, so that's another person we can kind of throw at him. Yeah. And the rest of the team's not that great, but he's he's very good. That dude, like just six six. <laughs> just foul out and get and get your last. Make sure your last foul is like a tech, and you're good. No yo, bullshit. And- he looks like a starting left tackle in the NFL. I'm not even making it up. <laughs> yo, like, and, uh... he looks like he could start in an NFL game right now. I was like, I thought this was the educators' league. Like, nah, <laughs> yo, right. what are y'all to be teaching? Fair, yo, to be like, fair, the just like how to eat. <laughs> Yo, to be fair, the competition in this league is so much better than BSSC. Yes, yes. That it is sounds for sure. like it. So much that is better, for sure. bro. And everybody bro, got a chip one... on their shoulder because it seems like there's a lot bro, of ex-athletes. There's multiple mm, there's a... Division One basketball players in the league. Yeah, but well, there's yeah, a couple. There's a couple of them where I'm like, do you teach or what do you what do you do? <laughs> yeah, like for real, like. Somebody check his papers. They're probably like a janitor or something. For real. <laughs> nigga said, I'm about to clean up. I'm the janitor. So I'm about to cook yeah. y'all niggas right now. I work one day a week. <laughs> What's he, that, said, um, he said, I'm a cafeteria worker. I'm cooking. What's that teacher's name? The the jumper? Clark the jumper or something? It's a teacher? Oh, that nigga that could mm-hmm. jump that high, but he be teaching? Yeah, like the crazy dumb dude. He's shit in his class. Mm. Teacher, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but... Yeah, well, 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 whatever. Just because you were teaching, and it was funny. The refs, I didn't mind the refs. There was a couple of bad calls, but the refs were hilarious. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they were ordering Burger King like in the middle of the game, <laughs> what? Like, on the side. Yo, and like, like, why you gotta order Burger, Burger King early? Burger King? Yo, early. the guy on our team, you know how nasty he, it is. Ten thirty, bro. That's gross. The guy on the team next was like, "Yo, is he calling out plays for the other team?" I'm like, "No, he's ordering Burger King right now. He's ordering lunch." He's like double whopper, no pickles, no cheese, one tomato. The guy's like, "What's he calling out right now?" Like, I was like, "Yo, he's yeah, these places though. sound like NFL plays." Don't even worry about him. That shit was funny, but yeah, you know how nasty like, you got to be to order Burger King. I'm sorry, that shit is nasty. That shit is it's, very it's bad. Proximity. It is right. It is right across the street. Where y'all playing? I'm not gonna lie. I went over there and got myself a snack right, wrap. We were right, right there on River Street. Yeah, but I'm talking yeah. about ordering, like oh, okay. ordering, like pre-ordering, like oh yeah, 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 yeah. like at least let the microwave it fresh. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, no bullshit though. To be fair, the way this league is moving, it's about to be a couple motherfuckers about to get some nil deals. Like, 
I'm convinced. Like, Yo, the, the announcer guy is hilarious too. The guy who does. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's hilarious as well. It's funny as hell. So it, they got something going there. It's definitely dope. And it's a definitely nonprofit. Like... Oh, oops, I see Ooh. what you did there. A little segue. Okay. All right, segue king. So uh, this week on a, an update on our scam cast from last week, we have a couple more scams that we uh, looked into. If you um, have Max or HBO, formerly known as HBO Max, if you have that app, I recommend you go on and check out Telemarketers. It is a three-part documentary which goes into the scam of telemarketers in, uh, I would say, what, the late 2000s through current times? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it starts off with the telemarketing in New Jersey, and then we see how that just unfolds. And just how it really, in this sense, is a deeper, darker criminal link. Um, What seemed like a non-victim scam or a non-victim crime, in my opinion, is actually much, much more insidious and ingenious. Um, But yeah, Trevor, Rashawn, do you want to speak more to like what the actual scam was? Trevor, you might be able to. Yeah, 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 man. So... Essentially, the way it works is you have people, the scammers, they're, they're making calls to people. They didn't even go into how they get people's phone numbers. That's probably a whole nother thing. But um, they make they make calls and they solicit donations, essentially. Um, and they're actually fundraising. They're, fun- they're technically fundraising for a real nonprofit. However, the nonprofits they're they're funding, I mean they're um fundraising for are bogus. Like they're they're not realistic. Um the biggest one was the FOP. Was that what it was called? Yeah. Um forgot what it stands for, but basically it's like a bro a police brotherhood, um, which are like real groups of like ex police and current police, basically just a social club. They don't really do anything. Um they're supposed to be like re raising money in case like a brother a brother in who gets shot or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people have gotten calls and they, t- nowadays they can pretend and say, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a police officer um, and I'm fundraising. But in the past, they weren't allowed to say that. And they just basically fear monger. So people get fraternal order of police. That's what it's called. Correct. Um, they just fear monger people who are like, oh, like they'll, they'll call like some people who, might not have their green card or their immigration status all cleared up and be like, oh, can you donate to us? And like, we're the police and they're going to go, they're scared. They're like, they don't want, they don't want to make it hot. So they're just donating. And it's just a crazy gray area of it technically being legal, but not legal because like they're lying to people and I think one of the most craziest parts is they pre for workers. They prey on people who um, are out on parole or like they have parole officers and they have to have a job, but because they may have like committed a felony or something, it's really hard to get a job. So they'll like dangle like, Oh, I'm gonna call your parole officer and tell them you haven't been coming to work if you don't keep working for us. So just like everybody gets hurt in this whole scam. And meanwhile, the fraternal order of the police are just raking in money, signing contracts, and then just saying, "Oh, I don't, I don't know, how, I, I don't know anything about this fundraising." It, it, it's terrible. Yeah, and also, uh, what is compelling about this documentary is that it starts out with two people who, uh, worked at this was a civil development group. Yeah, the uh, civic CDG. Development group. Yeah, and. So um, as Trev said, like a lot of people that CDG employed were um, down on their luck or coming back from being in, incarcerated or prison and like people were on the fringe, quote unquote, of society. And uh, so one guy um, and his name is Sam. His name is Sam Lippman Stern. Um, he was working there and was like, yo, I can't believe what's going on, like. Like, I can't believe that this is the work environment that I'm coming into. People getting high in bathrooms, uh, people uh, selling drugs, having basically a party at work and all that matters if you hit your numbers. So he started recording uh, and putting it up on YouTube. 
And then the guy, one of the guys who was also there, whose name is uh, Pat Pespis, um, was like, this is wrong. And what they're doing in the grand scheme of things, working for that company is wrong. The company is scamming. And they set out over the next decade and a half to unravel what's going on. So that's the compelling part for me is like these aren't traditional journalists um, or these aren't traditional investigative journalists, but the passion for finding the truth and for um, uncovering what was going on, <laughs> like drove them to become investigative journalists. And I thought that was also interesting seeing that develop from people just like, yo, I don't know how we can deal with this. And then they're like, you know what, we're going to expose it. <laughs> and they did. So I thought that was compelling as well. I think it's it's interesting too, like the more that they started to dig into like who the key stakeholders were in this organization, like the Federal Trade Commission, right? The FTC treated this as an isolated situation, right? With CDG, like this is just telemarketers doing what they're doing and you have to pay a fine and it's a slap on the wrist. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> And, and the more that they started to un unravel it, like we're starting to see that like there are politicians, there are police officers that are behind all of this. And that that to me was scary. Like, yo, what is what is going on right now? And I think, you know, for them, I thought that one of them was going to get off because I'm just like, how do you have all when of this somebody information? Somebody was following them. Yeah. I'm like, how do you have all of this information and nothing has happened to you yet? Um, and I think the biggest piece for me at the end of that documentary is when they met with um, the senator, uh, what's his name? Richard, Richard Blumenthal. Blumenthal, right? Who in the 90s fought against the same company that they work for but now doesn't want anything to do with it. So it's just like, you're, you're buying up people that have power to like bring up charges against these people. They've done a decade and a half <laughs> investigation on this. And yet there's nothing that's being done, which is to me is crazy. Yeah. Cause I think the crazy part is that there's, there's ways to make laws to stop this, but essentially almost no concrete law has been made around fundraising and they, I get, you can't because it has to go through Congress. Clearly, Congress, the FOP is like big in politi mm -hmm. politics. Like the, the, just recently, like the the, lead, the leader of that was like shaking hands with Trump and stuff mm -hmm. when Trump was in office. Like, so it goes that deep. Like, and that, you know, that whole really right, far right politics, they love the police. So they're, they're not going to stop them from getting their money. Like, it, it's not illegal. Like that's, that's the scariest part. It's clearly wrong, but it's not illegal. Yeah. And and what I liked about the documentary as well is that first it goes in on CDG, mm -hmm. the telemarketing scam, and talks about the two people who founded CDG. Those Genius. two people ended up making $250 million. And the government only fined them $18 million. Yo, so, he had a house, then another house across the lake, and he had a boat just yep. to go to his other house. That's the most so, player shit I ever heard. They they basically, so at, at that point in the documentary and and in even the, my point of understanding telemarketing, I'm like, oh, so the telemarketer companies are the ones that are doing this. The telemarketer companies is the one that got held accountable. But as the documentary unfolds, you see that the the police and the government just got smarter. So they slapped that dude on the wrist, made him a scapegoat, right? Mm -hmm. And is they're the ones who are really pulling the strings. And then they find other people to go out and carry out this same scam under different names. And that's the part where I was like, this is crazy. And then you're and buying just, the rights. You're buying the rights and the list to the people that they were attacking to get money. And then you're bringing that same model into these different organizations or telemarketing mm -hmm. companies, which is insane. And then they talked a little bit about like the political, um, the PAC political action campaign situations mm -hmm. i know you mm -hmm. guys are getting text messages right now around you know different those different things right yeah. um and it's just crazy how all of this shit is unfolding and i think i was tripping out because i'm like yo i'm i'm watching this thing and i'm not sure if i'm just getting these robocalls and i'm getting mad <laughs> like high traffic 
It's um, like they know you watching. Yeah, this it's like you know I'm watching this, and I'm like, yo, these motherfuckers are fucking with me right now. <laughs> yo, and it, it's crazy how much like fundraising in general is just is a yeah. scam. For example, when you go to the grocery store and like, oh, do you want to donate mm-hmm. X amount of money to um to so and so's hospital? They then take that and they say, yo, we donated. They donate it on your behalf. You don't donate it. You give them money and they donate it. So then they can write it off on their taxes saying they made that donation because they fundraise. And so like none of the money comes from them, but they can say that they donated a million dollars to a cause that they didn't. It's another little sneaky scam. That's perfectly legal. Like what, what else crazy. is a scam? You know what's a scam? Fucking that men's weekend we went to. <laughs> no, that's that's facts. No, that that's shit facts. is a scam. No, that's, Some that's nigga was fact. like from like Australia and our shit. Like, I want to bring my son to this and like come up. They spend thousands of dollars and they don't even fucking feed us. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Niggas no, was eating drinking fact. decaf coffee and like bread and nuts for breakfast. Pause. Like, come hey, on. <laughs> Niggas was sleeping on tiled floors, bro. Man, cold and shit. Yo, we had a drafty <laughs> wood cabin to sleep in. Like, yeah, man. Nigga, niggas took my shoes when I got there. I was probably about to sell them. Everyone else had their shoes, and I was pissed. Hold on, like, go see hey, that man. Hey, like, hey, Yo, he got his shoes out, on. What's going on? I still got PTSD. <laughs> Another scam is you know the, those donation bins where you can put clothes in. You thinking that's going to them little African niggas that be wearing the shirts Yo, from like on, five bro. years ago? Come but on, no, <laughs> no. Come on, Yo, them shits are still sitting there. <laughs> no, they sell them shits, bro. Those clothes you donate, they're just selling it and making right money. Right on the go, that. Yeah. <laughs> they they sell all those clothes, like even if it's just for bulk textile and like repurpose, like they're not donating that shit. They're selling it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they make they do make t-shirts for like teams that didn't win the championship just in case so they can have some ready. And they be selling them shits. It's messed up. What what are other things you guys think are scams now that now that we, you know, got we all got our t- well, three of us have our tinfoil hats on. Um, I'd be interested since Reem is just soaking all this in. Um, is there anything you're like, hmm, maybe that is a scam? College. Oh. We probably knew college was a scam. It yeah, really we is. Knew he was going to say I, college. We knew that. I was, well, sure, we knew college was. We I was drunk sixty percent of the time in college and high ninety nine percent. I got a degree. The mm-hmm. only thing college really teaches you is how to like maneuver while like being intoxicated and just kind of like how to BS your way through it. Mm-hmm. That's literally all that I really remember from going to college. It was like, all right, how can I BS doing something in the easiest possible way? <laughs> Now, college is way more about how you develop socially than it is academically. Yeah. That's really yeah, because academically is what you make of it, really. Like, yeah. if you really grind, you can learn a lot of stuff. But, like, yo, I could have just bought that book, like, mm. from my house. Like, Yeah, it, it's really more of how you, like, can make friends and deal with assignments and expectations and sports. Yeah, and, yeah it's just gr- way more like, super it grooming for the workforce. Yeah. yeah. And then... But, the, yeah. the crazy thing about like college is like so we spent high school like making sure our grades are like as as good as we can get them so we can get into like these good colleges and then once you get to college you realize like the shit only matters about the connections you make anyway like once you mm-hmm. walk out of the, once you walk out of a college it doesn't matter like people say like oh like what was your GPA for college like bro like did anybody actually write anywhere where they what their GPA was when they graduated college or they were just like well, it wasn't high you, enough. The guy graduated. That's all that matters. Yeah, if you if you get to a people, certain GPA, people get into grad school. People get into grad school without having a certain GPA, unless you like, you know, want to be a lawyer or some shit. But besides that, people get into grad school without having these ridiculously high GPAs. So it's like at the end of the day, like as long as I pass, who the fuck cares? Yeah, I, I'm only what impressed about? like with a three point five and up, because otherwise, it's just like, all right, yo, like you were just say you're a loser okay like you know it's <laughs> yeah but you what be a 3.5 those... and be an art major or some shit you know like it's that. Like, it, what was interesting what's interesting is um there's colleges that are eliminating majors uh university of wisconsin just eliminated 13 of their liberal arts majors oh shit so like they're people like it's the scam is like starting to run its course i think and people are starting to catch on that you know this ain't it ain't worth it and so they're this, they're gonna have to go back to the drawing board, college board, or whoever, 
they're going back to the drawing board and trying to make it better, I guess, or more beneficial, I guess. But like, you know, people coming out majoring in these crazy liberal arts stuff and get engaging in and having what a hundred thousand dollars in debt, not being able to get a job. It's, it's the niggas be going to college majoring in socks. <laughs> basket weaving class, basket weaving Swahili, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nigga, you didn't know the, you didn't need to go to college to learn how to do the salsa, all right? Like, yeah, some of the craziest electives at Wheelock, bro. I'm like, it's just insane. But I was thinking, like, what do you guys think about like SAT preps, like ACT preps? Do you do you think those are scams oh. as well? Yeah, because they're selling the classes, like. That shit's a scam. You have the test and you're also doing the classes too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, should, and you shouldn't scam, have to. Bro. You and shouldn't then, have and to then that big ass scandal that came out where motherfuckers were taking a test for him, bro. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't have to study for scenes. a test that is supposed to test how much you know. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, like I should be able to and just pull and up. a test that you could take as much as you want. Right. Yeah. Like, I, like I, can, mm-hmm. I should be able to just pull up and show what i know yeah they teach you how to like like yo like if you're unsure about something 50 percent of the time it's one of you know c and c. Uh, b and c like i was like what like if that's the re- <laughs> like what do you teach what am i taking this class for you should just post this shit somewhere for me just to read that like i shouldn't have to pay to take a class for you to tell me like yeah like if you don't know just you know, just give these points. And you only lose a fourth of uh, uh, what is it like a fourth of a point for getting answers wrong and shit like that. Well, that and that goes across a lot of professions too, like professional licensure. They'll teach you how the exam is created, so you can understand like how to answer certain questions, rather than teaching you the content that they're they're going to be assessing you on. So the the ACTs and SATs are are similar in that sense, where they're just teaching you like how they built it, but. That's not always, I mean, it's helpful to understand that, but like you need to know the content, right? Otherwise, what are you really going to do? Any other scams anybody could think of? I'll tell you one that most of us already know, but just working in a hospital and and we all realize insurance, you know, know, insurance, the the complications of insurance for families who are getting services, the complications of providers trying to bill insurance. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that insurances and these other companies can just pick and choose how much they charge for services. And there's no regulation behind it. Like the only reason, the only reason that they have the prices of like, like x-ray is so high is because the insurance people want to make sure that it's almost impossible to pay out of pocket. So therefore you need insurance. Mm. Like, like that's crazy. So mm. it's, it has nothing to do with the resources or paying doctors or anything like that. It's just simply so that people can't afford it and they need insurance. That's insane to me. Yeah. Like they, they just have a big book with arbitrary prices for everything. I was yeah. just thinking about being in the delivery room with Annabelle when she had Kai and we saw the bill and just imagining if we didn't have health insurance. Yo, <laughs> help is like paying, paying to college tuition, bro. I'm like, damn, he didn't even get here. Like, hold on, hold on. Don't push, don't push. <laughs> and they charge you for, bro, and they charge you for damn near everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like everything. If, if fucking even Annabelle had a headache before, like, even yo, like, here, you want some Tylenol? Here. Like the socks, like everything you ate and shit like that. Like here, get charged for this. You best believe I took everything I could home. You know me. They had these little, these little, <laughs> little, little, these these little broth packets. Oh, I still got the I socks here. Like, let me see. To put them in my bag. That's <laughs> they probably so. I got some jokes right here. Oh yeah, you took two infamels. You took two infamels. Yeah, put that on the bill too. Nigga, I yeah. was fucking taking the hot water out of there when I left. I needed everything. <laughs> I was about to take a few IVs. I'm like, shit. Yeah, shit. I'll be, the, I, I, I be thirsty, nigga. Right. Yo. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. But, man. Uh, Reem, did you have a question that you wanted to ask the group? Or oh, yeah. You was talking offline? Yeah, yeah. So I got something that we can... um. We can process through together and hear your, your guys' opinions. Interesting. Um, I'm scared. 
you should be scared. This is a deep question. No. <laughs> but it, it happened. And so I, I had to think about it and I processed it a little bit in my supervision, but it made me think, uh, I'm curious what you guys would think, because I, I imagine you've probably experienced it to some degree. But so to give you some background, I was um, working on Monday and one of our providers saw a patient and referred this patient to social work because of concerns around homelessness. This patient comes up to my office and meets with me. As soon as um, we close the door, the, it's a, a woman and her younger son. The woman looks at me and says, um, uh, thank God you look the way you look. And so like I hear her say that and in the moment, like I, I think I just kind of like smiled and looked at her and we sat down and then she kind of jumped right into basically what had happened with the visit with the provider and expressing her frustration and how she was spoken to and um, her opinion on the hospital and, and just all these different things. And what ended up happening was the provider basically expressed that if she didn't make some changes regarding care for her son, then um, what's used, the term that's used is like outside services might have to be um, involved. And families typically know that means DCF. And so she understood what the provider was saying that really frustrated with her, really frustrated her with how it was brought up and, and how it was addressed. And, you know, she was very open in the meeting and discussing kind of her background and things like that. But, and I won't get into that in specifics, but basically expressing why it was so bothersome for her to hear it this way. And, you know, throughout the visit, like she was very open and, and upfront. And so we were able to make a plan and kind of discuss how to support and, and everything going forward. But what I was talking with my supervisor and colleagues about afterwards was just that initial interaction where, you know, I opened the door to greet her. As soon as I close the door, she says that comment to me and just how for me, like I didn't think anything of it and just went right into talking about it. But for her, she clearly one felt comfortable enough to say that, but also felt the need to say that, mm. right? And so my supervisor kind of asked me a, a question, basically saying like, Kareem, in the moment, how did you take that? And as you're thinking about it now, like, why do you think she said that? What does that mean to you? And I realized like as a black clinician, I see a lot of families, um, black families and Hispanic families and families of color that probably to some degree do feel a level of comfort just looking at me and seeing that I'm uh, I'm a black person and I've never really thought about that in, in great detail as to what that means for me but what that means for the families and so what I wanted to ask you guys and just get your honest opinion on is if you have a kid that comes into your room or a family that comes into your office and you know they close the door and say like thank god you're black or thank god you look the way you look and then start talking about, you know, whatever, like, how do you guys respond to that? How do you guys internalize that? And, and what, what do you do in that conversation? Cause I'm, as I'm thinking back, I'm like, should I have addressed that? Should I have asked it? You know, I, I have an idea why she said it, but I don't know for sure. And so I'm curious, you guys being in a school setting where we know there's not enough um, teachers and, and staff that look like the, the way the students look, I have to think it's something students and parents think about, but um, yeah, my, my question for you guys is how, how would you guys kind of respond to that, a family or student coming in and saying something like that? I'm glad you look the way you look and then proceeding to talk about, you know, stress or troubles or, or things like that. My, my first response off the rip, someone said to me, I'd be like, white people be white. And <laughs> like, just let them know. Like I hear. Let them know you understand it, right away. Yeah. If, if you mm -hmm. want to say more, say more, but mm -hmm. I know the vibes. Um, yeah. I've had this happen to me tons of times because I was a family liaison. So I would be helping families that are um, f um, facing potential homelessness and things like that. And you'd be surprised. Well, I mean, you're probably not surprised because you, it happens to you a lot. Um, but like how common that is to just. And I think that for me, when all that when I unpack that in my head, only thing I hear is that, hey, I know that you potentially will just have less of a bias that could be malice towards my cause right now i know that you're more likely to see me as a person with a problem not a problem that's a person mm -hmm. um so um and it, it always makes me feel great because i can relate to that too like i just instantly 
even though black people could be like have the, the, the same stereotypes that white people have towards blacks, but you just know that you got a better, I just would feel like I have a better chance and I know they have a better chance of being just seen as an individual rather than a race or a religion. Mm. Now, if I came in there and she said she liked the way, or thank God I looked the way I looked. Now, oh, it was Ice Spice that said that. There you go. I knew he was. A whole different conversation. <laughs> 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 Nigga would have started getting sturdy. Hold on. Let me point, close the door. Like, you, you could take that as a completely different comment, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, how did you take it in that moment, Reem? Like, in she the said, moment, you know, I, I assumed my perspective, but I didn't even think about it. could have been taken from Dee's perspective. She could have said something about... Like my close the door, Reem. Now, right? It's like that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> saw Marissa walk yeah, back a couple of times. He <laughs> <laughs> looking behind the shoulder. <laughs> Put your nah, headphones but, on. But for real though, for real though, like I think that it goes to um, stuff that I've been talking about in school in grad school. I know I just talked about how college is a scam, but stuff that I've been talking about in grad school, and um, as we talk about in uh, our work, Rashawn and Mook, like the she felt the container was safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like you coming in, just set the container for her, uh, to feel like she could speak more freely or behave more freely. Um, so I think as Trav said, just, you know, I'd probably be like, yo, yeah, they'd be wilding out over here. Like you good, I got you. And, and also like she might be projecting or someone might be projecting in that sense of going into fight or flight mode with mm-hmm. the people that they're working with just off of that preconceived bias or preconceived notion so she might be deemed quote unquote difficult by other people um who you're working with whereas when you come in there then that guard drops and it's like oh this person is actually not difficult or we can understand why they're being difficult in that sense anyways or why they're presenting as such um because you know the people also have their preconceived notions and bias so it's like two people that don't want to meet each other in the middle aren't going to meet each other in the middle you know so no one's understanding each other you come in like there's finally someone here that understands what i'm talking about and you probably bring out a different side or perspective in her that and can probably explain um the perspective of the institution um in a way that she didn't understand yeah no i definitely agree with what was said um (laughs) set in a container and you know with you know, in certain situations, in certain instances, she saw something in you that made her feel comfortable. Um, so rather than addressing it, it could have just been like that nonverbal. When you walk into a room, you see another brother in a room in an all-weight space, you give them the, you know, the head nod. It's like, yo, I see you. I, you know what I mean? Um, and there's a lot of comfort in that because in this work that we do, there's just just look at the layout of the schools. The teachers that are teaching our classes are predominantly white. And the people who are doing the disciplinary work are black, right? So being in those spaces, um, if there is someone that feel like they can confide in you, I mean, that's that goes a long way. And similar to what Dee said, um, there is a different perspective of, you know, you giving that person the game based off of how you perceive it. And then, you you know, you're building off of that relationship or that rapport. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I got. Yeah, no, nah, I completely agree with that. I feel like, honestly, if that happened to me, I would feel like I'm in the right space at this point. Because if somebody felt like that they felt comfortable enough to say that to you, that means that, you know, we you can't talk about what happened in, in that person's past in dealing with the, the organization. But the fact that they felt comfortable in your space, that they, you know, laid that information to you, means that you're definitely in the right space that... um honestly the work is is worth it at that point that they felt that they could be comfortable enough with you um i would feel the same way if if somebody approached me like that like you say like when you see another uh another brother you know say you know give them the head nod and stuff and acknowledge their presence and things like that so i feel like that's 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 important that we see each other and that we feel comfortable enough with each other in in these spaces yeah and and also to trev's point um allowing her to check in, um, to find out what actually transpired. Because if something happened on the institution's end that was inappropriate or was ignorant, um, I want to know so I can be like, I can let her know, yo, that was not right. That should not have happened. 
you know, like we we need to figure this out. We can go back and or me alone, I can go back, talk to the institution, talk to the supervisee, supervisor and be like, you did or she's saying X, Y, Z happened in that situation that could be triggering for a person for these reasons. Right. So how can we approach the situation differently next time? Or like when you explained it as such like this, this mm-hmm. put this person in this space, which made it difficult for the conversation to continue. Mm-hmm. Like these are things that you can do next time to make sure that it doesn't happen. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a really important piece too, is when you have families that come to you and confide to you and stuff like that, being able to give them some direction of, you know, this is what I plan to do about that. You can't always promise things, but at least being able to have discussions, I think gives them some, um, some form of feeling heard like t like what you said just feeling like visible and feeling heard i think that's why these families kind of confide in people that look like them um recognizing like black people have a variety of experiences like she could have walked in and said that and i could have been like what are you talking about like wh- why would you say that right like there's no way to know but recognizing that just visibly seeing somebody that looks similar and thinking they might be able to understand i think it, it speaks volumes to kind of where people are at and and when they accept services like that through hospitals, through schools, through, you know, or whatever it is. It it makes me realize, and I I wonder if you guys have realized this, but just the impact our identity has on on the jobs we do, right? Because we're all, you know, professionals that have a level of experience that allows us to do what we do, but our identity plays some role in, in you know, how we're perceived and how we're able to do what we do, right? And it's like, how do you balance your identity with your with your skill or talent in your field, you know? And, and when do you utilize your identity for your benefit? And when do you kind of remove that, that so that it's not, you know, affecting the relationship you're building or the, the work you're doing? Again, especially for you guys in the school where I I feel like you guys don't have a lot of white students that are in uh the programs but i might be wrong on that but just constantly seeing students we're all that... african-americans yeah, plus yeah. Mark. there's there's two there's two white kids this at the um, elementary stupid. school that i work Damn. at okay yeah <laughs> so i just i just I, I made an assumption there but yeah so it, it just now nah, you're right is that that constantly look like you or you can resonate with and and balancing that transference that can come from that but also then like how do you provide adequate services when you know families are kind of really relying on you to be able to really connect with them and really support them. And maybe for you guys, because I think your agency is relatively very diverse compared to the other agencies you might have, but like, how would you deal with that with higher ups that may not be able to understand that may not be able to connect with families in the ways that, that you guys can connect with families. Well, from the, from the direct service standpoint, from working with the students, before I answer, that's like a two-part question. Mm-hmm. But from the direct service standpoint, uh, we are intentional about what we put in our rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have posters up. We have, um, some of us might have like school, like college stuff up. Might have, like I have my bobbleheads up from my Red Sox days. Like I have a bunch of stuff out there that like if you come into the room, you can get a quick look and look at what's going on and see all right who is this person so you can connect with me on any of those points um regardless of just what i look like and so you know i will get you know white kids coming in like looking at the bobbleheads like oh man you worked at fenway like stuff like that you know so like there's there's ways to go around it like that um you know putting yourself injecting yourself in places that is like not active more passive i would say like even putting up uh uh this is me page in the um school letter or school website like this is who I am fun fact about me like those type of things uh so people can start to pick pick stuff out and identify with or connect with me or ask me questions about these other things um and then I think just being your my authentic self just being in spaces um not being in a silo like you're gonna see me um in the lunchroom, you're gonna see me in classrooms. You you're not you're not just gonna see me in the English teacher's classroom, you'll see me in the science teacher's classroom, you'll see me in the dean's office, you'll see me talk to the principals, like you'll see me everywhere. So it's like, okay, now I know that you know, I'm not I don't have to access him just in his space. Like if I need to talk to him, I could go 
I could probably catch him on uh, my walk between classes, so on and so forth. So just making myself available. Um, and then the part about leadership, that's that's the more tricky part, right? Because yeah. that's a role that's that's a role that affects me more than just emotionally because you know in the grand scheme of things that could be my paycheck right and how i present so there's more a more calculated approach to what i reveal about myself in that sense um but i like to use uh logic you know i like to use logic and sometimes that can be sometimes that's that's a double-edged sword right so i want to be like thinking clearly and like let's use data evidence and then make a decision or if i need to hold somebody accountable let's use the data look at the evidence and then this is why i'm holding you accountable um but that could be a double-edged sword because then i could come off very cold right i could come off very um unconnected or unattached or not caring about the person or their emotions but in leadership that's like a sacrifice that i'm going to take if i need to do that because you know a job needs to get done or a job wasn't done You know, like you often. Oh, my fault. No, go ahead. ahead. Nah, you're good. I lost my train of thought. But I was just saying, in the sense of like, to piggyback to what you were saying, D two. I said, and you, and you can go the extra mile in terms of it's not just the data; it's the lived experience of being in their shoes Mm -hmm. as a frontline staff, as a direct Mm -hmm. service supporter. And I think, I think it's important to have people that have been in those experiences versus having someone like an outsider come in who might be a result-driven person, but it, they're oftentimes disconnected from, you know, the day-to-day because they're not accustomed to how that role necessarily works. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that there's a, there. I, f- speaking from my experience, I think there's a level of transparency there considering that, hey, listen, I could, I feel you, I hear you, but listen, this is what's going on on the top end. And I'm going to need you to do X, Y, and Z. But I hear you and I'm going to advocate for you. But like, let's, you know what I'm saying? So there's there's different ways that you can attack and you can approach that. So, yeah, I think for me in my position and in previous positions I have, which may be slightly different from the school, is that the people I come in contact with are, are referred to me and in some cases selected to see me for specific reasons by other people. And I don't have control over that. Um, I imagine in the school, you, you get the students that are in the school. But even then, there's probably some teachers. There's a little bit of both. Yeah, some referrals. Yeah. So, so maybe some teachers refer more thinking, oh, this kid would work great with D or this this student would be great for shiz. And some were just like the, the kid needs services. But it, it's that like, it's that picking of this person would do well with this person because of what? And sometimes there's good reason behind that, you know, like maybe they do have a connection that can help, but sometimes it's just like, they're both black. So I think they work together. And that's like the, um, maybe like the nuance in, in referrals and things like that. And that some providers and teachers don't always understand is just because people have maybe some similarities doesn't mean that they're a great fit. Right. And I think in my experience, I've seen that be an issue in previous employments where you know the black clinician gets all of the black students right or black referrals and again sometimes that does work out but sometimes that's not really what you need that's not what the clinician may want right and so like that's something that i've always thought about too is just how you uh uh how you deal with that and have conversations with leadership or the referral process so that that's not always the case so they can be aware of why they're making that referral if they have so, a good reason yeah, i would go i would go back to the data yeah right yeah let's yeah. look at let's look at all the people who were referring mm-hmm. now let's look at the demographics and now let's look at my caseload compared to mm-hmm. x's caseload compared to y's caseload and now let's look at those demographics and are we putting putting clients in proportionally mm-hmm. or are there patterns that we can see oh i'm yeah. noticing this pattern all right so can you explain to me why this is happening. Is there a method? Is there a reason behind it? Because my inference or my judgment is that I'm getting all these students because or I'm getting all these clients because I'm the black clinician. And so mm-hmm. they're sending my way. Is there another reason behind it? Because if there's not, 
then that's problematic. Right, exactly. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do you define if the what the true reason is, you know? Yeah. Do you have an all black caseload? Do you disclose that with us or no? No, no, I don't. Okay. No. I, I was like, damn. Yeah. It's in my man ring. They're like, oh. <laughs> Turn Turn Reeves client case loaded to the source awards. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Lil Ray Ray. Oh, he'd be a great fit for Kareem. Lil Ray Ray and Pookie. Yeah, right nah, down man. to Mr. Hines' office. <laughs> now, nah, luckily for my for my current employment, like I, I think the people I work with are generally really good and thoughtful about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And has, they should be because they're doctors. But um, has has that been a past experience? For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not not like throughout entire times of employment, but through periods for sure. Periods where I see an influx in referrals, and I'm like, huh, like it, it just it starts to stand out to you. Oh, it's um, like if somebody's waiting on a lo- oh, go ahead, Shiz. No, I was just saying if somebody was waiting on a lobby, and then the receptionist like, oh, he got to be waiting for Kareem. <laughs> like, yo, don't even sign in. Just go ahead down don't, down You're the hallway Kareem. on the left. Right. Right. You're gonna see Kareem, right? You're right down there. Yeah, like, that happened. Mr. Hines is right down the hall. <laughs> Damn, that happened to me and my mom once. We went. She went to come sign me up for like summer, like outdoor challenge camp. We had to go down to City no, Hall because the office way. was down there. We go there. Just me and my mom and the office lady's like, "Oh, are you here for the twelve o'clock welfare appointment?" I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> whoa, oh, my God, damn." Yo, that's Yo, that's mad. Yeah, funny. Dog, that shit does happen. But I was saying, we didn't come this way. <laughs> I was saying, just document everything, Reem. Like that's the bottom line. Document it and then hold people accountable through asking questions. Yeah. Well, I think again, like where I'm at, I think there's a place to have conversations like this where where I'm grateful for. Like I've mm-hmm. been able to process it with my supervisors, but also with my colleagues and with some leadership, which is different from other places I know. So stuff like this comes up and it's going to come up, but it's like, do you have a place to have conversations about it? And we do. Do I feel like change can be made when we have conversations sometimes, but that's better than just a no. Right. So yeah. like, I think there's opportunities for it, but regardless, it's something that we carry, right? Like it's something that we have to deal with individually. And so yeah, I think that's why a black dude come in like, yo, this nigga's beyond my help. Yo, who calling the <laughs> calling the Avengers? <laughs> why they call me? Well, <laughs> it's it's a good thing that you you have the space to feel got his own bat signal. Like right. on a serious on a serious <laughs> note, Reem. Like if you're if right. you're feeling supported by your supervisor and you're feeling like you're being heard, mm-hmm. and that's like you said, yeah. there may not be some sort of change if we can't get Shaquita off your caseload. I don't know. You know but... I don't know what he got in the DSM five. <laughs> you know, they don't even can't even explain what he got. But I, I I learned this in school. <laughs> man, yeah, yeah. Oh no, man, I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. For that's sure, that's good. That's good stuff. And we got places like this to process it more, and you know, hear of course. No, but that, that I do I do want to talk about that because I'm coming back. To work at, at at YG, coming back as a program supervisor, you know, every place has their issues, right? Every place, no matter where you go. But coming back to work for YG, what I have come to appreciate is the fact that we do have spaces where we can challenge mm-hmm. um, and challenge leadership. And what I see that direct some of the direct service staff, I'm just speaking candidly, who com- who do complain, right? They they're not acknowledging that you can't complain like this at any job. Like this mm-hmm. is a special place where you can mm-hmm. talk shit like this, and where they'll be like, "All right, we'll hear you." Even if shit don't change, like they're like, "We'll hear you." And even though you just basically cursed me out or basically told me I don't know what I'm doing, we're gonna move on and continue with the day, right? And I'm like, there has to be something acknowledged with that. Yeah. Like, even if stuff doesn't change on a grander scale, where else can you go and you can vent like this to your boss, right? And you're good the next day. There's not many places like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I think that that's a good perspective to have, honestly, um, mm-hmm. to kind of help you orient yourself to, like, how bad is this, right? Mm-hmm. Is the grass greener somewhere else kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, no, I found out no, it wasn't. <laughs> Absolutely not. That shit was brown and dry. <laughs> that grass was not greener, you know. It was like trying to run on the field, like tearing my knee like Nick Chubb, bro. Like that shit is terrible out there. 
I knew Mook. For some bro, reason, just... I knew Mook was going to reappear. <laughs> bro, too soon, bro. Too soon. I'm still recovering right now in fantasy. <laughs> Yo, sidebar, I need some help with this fan duel, man. I'm going to hit y'all on the DM, man. Get a little money line going. There we go. Mm-hmm. Don't go with the Giants or do or like My man got hooked. You said don't. Giants? The Giants lost. The Giants lost already. Oh, okay. But now the Giants don't. lost when Christian McCaffrey wasn't even playing. Don't did he play? I thought he did. He play. was taking no. They took they. He didn't. He played sparingly. Like they rested okay, him yeah. a lot. Still had eighty five yards and a touchdown either. though. Yeah. Yeah. Don't bet on any game with the Giants unless you're betting for the team against the Giants. That's that's what I'm picking <laughs> up on right now. Mm-hmm. Oh man. All right, man. Well, anybody got anything else? Nah, this was a good talk. No, nah, where I thought Mook was gonna say something about Colorado and Oregon. Oh no, oh, I'm not talking about Colorado. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about But that shit was ugly. Very ugly. They could have at and least scored, real, right? They did score. They scored a touchdown then. Oh, okay. It was forty two to six. Dang. Well, all right then, Mook. Tell the good people where to find us. You can find us at dots. Up dot podcast on uh Instagram. So like I always say, tell a friend to tell a friend to give us a listen, you won't be disappointed. And it's been another episode of the Dots Up Podcast. Forget about where you came from, how the fuck